Hello, and welcome back to another FACT podcast. I'm Dr. Fred Clary, founder of Functional Analysis Chiropractic Technique, a chiropractic technique based on movement and breathing. Well, I hope you had a good week, a good weekend, if you're listening to this on a Monday morning as I'm recording it. Um, I had a fantastic weekend, hanging out with the kids, going to a concert as a kid with the kids. I actually saw a, a band, Psychedelic Furs, which I have not seen in 41 years. And they're still going. The set was tight. It was unbelievable um, for uh, people in their 70s or near 70s still rocking it out with alternative music. Back in my day, it wasn't called alternative. It was called college music because it was an alternative to the popular music on the pop rock stations, popular adult music. And now it's just become alternative. And if, if you ask my kids who are teenagers or any kids, teenagers, maybe into the 20s, Gen Xers, if you ask them, you know, why do they call it alternative? They have no idea. So it's interesting, you know, how they did not know the definition of alternative, alternative to the music that's normally on the radio. Well, that alternative music is now top 40 now. <laughs> so it's, it's been uh, absorbed into the mainstream. So that's interesting because uh, they, they would have a, they couldn't figure out the definition. And I want to talk a little bit about definitions. In fact, I want to talk a lot about definitions this morning. I want to talk about labels and understanding those definitions. And that's very important. That interpretation, your personal perspective and your personal um, dictionary, if, if you will, the dictionary in your head is very important to relationships and to communication. If you look at all the problems with communication, a lot of them, it's not a problem of communication, it's a problem of listening. And I don't think it's listening. I, you know, there's so many books and you go on the internet and I Googled it and I was blown away by how many articles on communication there were. There were a few of the articles that actually mentioned something about listening, which is the, the biggest part of communication. But my problem is you can hear somebody clearly. You can hear their words to the point where you could write down almost exactly word for word what the person says. But that doesn't mean you understood the communication in the way that the speaker was trying to convey. What are you saying, Fred? That's all twisted. I'll give you a good example. And this may seem too simple an example, but it, it is an example. If you ask someone from Texas, a cowboy, um, about breakfast, they would describe, you know, big eggs, uh, steak, potatoes, coffee, orange juice, a big hearty breakfast, say a trucker's breakfast or a cowboy's breakfast. If you asked, you know, a house mom, she may say a bagel or a piece of toast real quick. They both define that as a breakfast, but it's actually two completely different items in quantity, in quality, and, and in reality. One's a little piece of toast. The other's, yeah, there may be toast with it, but four egg omelet, hash browns, whatever. Now, you may have to add an adverb or an adjective to it and say, oh, this is a, a big breakfast. This is a large breakfast. But again, our culture, how we were raised and in which culture we were raised, not only our family culture, neighborhood, city, our ethnic background, our religious background, all play a role on how we define things. 
Now here's the big one. What if the word love meant different things to different people, which it does? If you look up the reasons for divorce and marriage in the United States, there's plenty of information out there. A big chunk of it is miscommunication. Miscommunication. In fact, some articles actually say the number one reason for divorce is miscommunication. I've actually seen abuse being number one, infidelity is pretty high, um, finances, money is pretty high. But I think, yeah, miscommunication over all those things because you miscommunicate over money. You miscommunicate over love. Um, you know, um, one was sexual intimacy and, you know, not enough frequency was really um, high up there. Um, so an addiction was high too. So what I really want to at least address today or at least get you thinking is on the definitions or labels we use the definitions or labels we use. For example, if someone said to me working out, for me, in my mind, you know, that's, you know, lackadaisical, using some weights, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes of weights, maybe a treadmill, just something to tone. If you said the word training to me, um, I was in the gym for, what, two and a half hours yesterday, and the usual it's three to four hours. That would be training, using heavy weights, pushing yourself, um, taking a little rest and then pushing yourself again. Totally different def definition. If I go up to someone else and what training is, if they're not into the physical um, fitness element, if they're not used to working out their bodies, and you say the word training, they would say, oh, learning a new computer program at work or, you know, a new procedure in my, my job. And they would have to have training on it. Okay, that's true too. But what if, what if we're looking at the communication and relationships and all that? What about love? Let's stick with love today. Love means different things to different people. Sorry to burst your bubble. I'm just here to give you reality. Love means different things to different people. And here's the thing. It will cause divorces. It will cause breakups in um, friend relationships, business relationships. Well, Fred, you bring in love into relationships? Yeah. If you have a passion for your job, you love your job. You like what you're doing. And if other people don't have that passion for, you know, the job, it could lead to a blow up in your business relationships. If you have people in partnership in a, in a business and one, you know, complains and sees it as a task and this is too hard and the other one's bouncing around like Tigger and they love it and just keep moving forward. Oh, there's a little bump there. Let's jump over it. How can we learn from it? If you have two people that, that really define what they're doing differently and they would actually say they love their jobs. Oh, I always complain. That's not love to me, Fred. That is not my personal definition. You know, that's the definition of tolerating something because you have to. And so if you have these communications, if you have these hard conversations with another person, you're going to be shocked. We all know, and I've heard this preached on in, in Christian churches all the time, that, you know, the New Testament was written mostly in Greek. And there's three forms of love in the Greek. There's eros, that's the sexual, passionate, physical side of love. There's philios, like Philadelphia, the, the city of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania, brotherly love, very close, would bend over back, would jump in front of a bus. 
And there's agape love. And they say, that's the love that God has for us. It's unconditional. Well, let's just look at those three definitions, okay? Just those three definitions. Some people, when they get married, think it's about agape, bending over backwards, tolerating, doing the best I can. If they screw up, giving them a second, third, fourth, fifth chance. And it doesn't matter. Sometimes being a doormat, you know, codependent. And they call that love. It's not love. It's codependency. If you're being abused emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, by bad words, um, you're not coordinated in, on your roles in the marriage, in the job, you don't participate, you're basically roommates. Well, guess what? Then that's, in my opinion, my label, that's not love. That other person say, well, of course I love my husband. It's just or but, you know, and, and whenever sin says but, now comes the under, but means, but now the underlying truth, right? So that's something really important. When you say you love ice cream, you're not going to jump in front of a bus if you don't get a dish of ice cream. And in that same day, you could say love you, you know, when you're saying goodbye to your spouse to go in the office in the morning or in the evening. Love you, good night, you say to your kids. I would guarantee almost everyone listening who has kids would do more for their kids than their spouse. And no one talks about that. They, they love their kids more than their spouse. That's very interesting. And why is that important? Well, they say, you know, love you when they kiss Susie, little Susie on top of the head and tuck her in at night. And then they say love you to, say, the husband or wife or partner, you know. And they also say to their friends when they're out playing racquetball and they get their butts kicked, wow, man, love you, bro. You know, it's like, excuse me? You use the same word, but with three completely definition definitions, meaning different meanings of that word. And that's where communication really starts falling apart. I had the conversation with the employee. I had the conversation with my spouse. I had the conversation with my child. But their definitions were totally different. We call that, you know, we call when we ask the kids to clean the bathroom or the kitchen, kid clean kid clean because they just rash over the surface where like we get into the corners like just you should and try to clean everything you possibly can in that amount of time kid clean is just straightening up when you hear someone's coming over in half an hour you know you, you just shit put all the the dirt under the rug you know put the junk that's been laying around and the papers you need to go through in the closet and say oh i'll get to these later and pull them out when he leaves we all do this we know it's vanity we don't want people to see how messy our house is i personally don't care right now because we're so busy but that's what a lot of people do not everyone but a lot of people do and what's interesting that kid clean versus really clean the kids the the teenagers or the child will say i really did clean well, their definition is based on limited experience, lack of perspective, maybe lack of drive and passion. Let's talk about that. You know, and if you ask a lazy person what love is, they're going to have a completely different definition as you would who's someone who's active. If you have someone who's very active and go-getting and disciplined, you know, that person, that passionately moving forward person is going to have a different definition of love. It's going to be different expectations, as a lot of marriage counselors would tell you, that people come into marriage with different expectations. They should have thought about them first. 
but they come in with those different definitions, different definitions. The woman may say love means, you, you know, you don't talk to any other person. Um, you're, you're faithful. You bring the money home. We communicate this. You always are nice and kind to me. That should be discussed before you get married, before you enter in a committed relationship. The guy may think, hey, I don't want to be nagged. I don't want someone nitpicking me. Um, I want someone who's always going to raise me up, make me feel respected, make me feel like a king of the castle. And you should talk about that before you move in. That's a little bit of dishonesty on both parts. And I would call it unconscious dishonesty and unconscious bias. Bias meaning, you know, you always see things through your point of view. Yeah, your point of view. When someone says they love this or they like this, everyone tries to interpret it through their own brain, through their own understanding, through their all, all their inexperience. Now, if they're very experienced, they may be close to the same definition that the person's trying to describe. But if you have no experience in it, you don't know. You just don't know. I've had um, experiences where I've had people call me, you know, uh, in-laws and relations, you know, you know, family, you can say, about someone being sick and that they're really ill and can't, you know, just, it's the end of the world coming. <laughs> some, some ladies, you like to call it a man cold. Well, anyway, <laughs> you look at this person, I'm like, okay, you're, you check their oxygen, they're at 99%. I'm not even that on a good day, you know, from the fingertip oximeter. And you see they can move around, they have a hundred fever. You know, I get that every day going into a hot gym. And, you know, they can't move. They're paralyzed because they don't feel well. And then you have people like, I can talk about my daughter this way. Callie, one time she was going to school and she looked great. She just didn't look right. And I said, honey, are you okay? You don't look right. Oh, no, I'm just a little under the weather. I got a test today. I don't want to miss school. And I'm like, come here. Her forehead was hot. Her, the uh, lymph nodes in her neck were enlarged. I'm like, let me just take a quick temperature. She was 103. No, you're staying home. And then you have, and I have the same kids, you have one of my kids who, you know, it's the end of the world, this and that, and they may have a pimple, they may have a slight headache, they may have an upset stomach because they ate too much junk last night, but they can still go to school. They just don't want to take the test, or they really are bored with school, and they are trying to find an excuse, or most likely, they have a different definition of what sick is meaning if anything's upsetting them, they're achy, they're sore, they, you know, it's the end of the world, they have to stop. And that's interesting because, you know, we're talking about pain tolerances all the time in our office, in the ch chiropractic office. Well, what defines someone's pain? We ask them a pain scale, and I know there's plenty of research on how the zero to 10 pain scale is accurate. It's not accurate. It only tells you how they feel. I'll have people walk in here, you know, saying they're an 8 out of 10. They walk in, they walked out of their car, they sat down. They came in, they're not sweating, they're not grimacing. I do a few little exams on them, push a joint this way, pull a muscle this way, and they go, ooh, you know, it's an 8 out of 10. And I'm like, you're not an 8 out of 10, that's childbirth, natural childbirth. Well, and then you have someone else come in who barely can get out of the truck. They're sweating because you know they're in pain, they're grimacing breathing hard, blood pressure up, sit down, can barely fill out the intake forms for the office. 
you help them in the back room, you poke around, you do some type of orthopedic or neurological test that can recreate the pain so you can find the pain generating tissue source. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, you ask them, so you're, what's your pain scale at? 10, the worst you've ever been, zero, no pain. Well, I'm a two, as they're grimacing in pain. Totally different definitions. High pain tolerance, low pain tolerance. What the, that does that even mean? Does that mean you can go to work if you have a slight headache and your knees or back are sore? And our definitions, as you know, come from how we're raised. Well, it, I've been working out hard since I was 12 or 13. Took some time off, but, you know, worked out hard. And it doesn't mean I have a high pain tolerance. It just means I'm used to always having sore muscles or achy joints all the time. Some people, the first time they work out, you know, their legs hurt so much, they just want to lay on the couch and never work out again. And I'm like, you're kidding me, right? That's what all, the, all athletes go through every day. They're always sore and achy. So you ask an elite athlete, a professional athlete, a Division I athlete, you know, do they get sore? What's your pain level out? You're going to get different definitions. Even though if you say, what are you? Oh, I'm a 1 or a 2 out of 10. That may be an eight or nine to someone else who, you know, doesn't tolerate pain well. Fred, what's all this babble for? Well, I just want you to consider and start thinking about definitions. So when you're communicating to someone and they say, well, I, I would really love to have a swimming pool out back. I would really love to go on this trip. I would really love. And you say, okay, what's your definition of love? Does it mean that you would do anything you know, to get that trip, you love it so much and you're going to be very passionate about it and you're going to be talking about this trip or this item that you want to buy for years and you're going to utilize it? Or is it something you just want right now in the moment and you're going to throw around love like it has no definition? Some people put more weight on words than others and that's where miscommunication comes from. Like, if someone says, I love you, well, that could just mean, hey, I feel positive towards you today at this moment. It may not be that I have unconditional love for you and will do whatever it takes to help you be successful in life. That's totally different. You know, so we really need to clarify in our communications what the definitions mean. If someone says, you know, I love you, what does that mean to you? Give me some examples. Give me a narrative of what love means to you. Because that other person may not feel the same way. They may love the other person or love the job, but it becomes, you know, totally, oh, I'm, I'm ready to leave the job. I thought you loved it. Well, you know, I did, but then, you know, the supervisor changed my role and whoa, 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 whoa. Love means unconditional love forever. Well, not to this individual employee, they, or like, you can use the word like, you know, their idea of like is what I like at this moment. We live in such a disposable microwave, get what I need now culture, fast food culture, that our definitions have changed. And if you were raised during a different time, a different place, our definitions have changed. And that goes with hate, fear, anxiety, depression, happiness, love, 
I know some people, if you ask them what happy is, it's like, oh, just making my rent at the end of the month. It's a pretty low bar, you know, but that to them, that makes them happy. Well, that's not happiness. That's contentment in my book. Now, where do we go when we want to, you know, judge other on their definitions? I'm personally going to tell you that my view, my view is you don't judge people on their definitions. You just want to understand them. You want to understand them. Because if the person's definition of hard work is showing up late four or five days a week, going through the motions, leaving early for lunch, leaving early end of the day, but just being in the office, that's hard work if I show up, as opposed to someone who does all their job tasks and more, comes in early, leaves late, punches punches in on normal time, but spends extra time on their own time, doesn't get paid for it, they bend over backwards for their company. They're loyal and focus on the, uh, the duties of the company. Well, that's someone who really does like their job and is into hard work. But the other person says they're working hard too and they can't understand how they were fired or let go or laid off. They just don't understand. Well, you didn't make yourself valuable to the company. Well, what's that mean? Exactly. If you don't know what the meaning of value is, then they're going to let you go. I'm going to submit to you that maybe this month, it's August now, 2022, maybe this month you want to just do some experiments and with the people closest to you, just find out what the word like and love, maybe even passion means to them. You may be shocked. You may be shocked of, you know, what people are willing to do and what they're going to say. Definitions are very important. Your view is very important. And again, definitions can be good, neutral, or toxic to the individual with those definitions between their ears. There's some people that think love is a staying in a marriage no matter if they're being abused, and now they're showing their kids that they deserve to be abused too. Remember, everyone's always watching at all times. There's always somebody watching and recording and learning and modeling, modeling what you put up with. And they call that love. And then you ask the teenagers later, I don't want to get married. My parents were miserable. Well, that was one miserable marriage. Remember, the divorce rate's 50%. And I would say 20% to, to half of all those still married should get divorced because they're not putting out a passionate, positive example for their kids. You know, they're teaching them to either settle, put up with bad, bad behavior, or lead a separate life. And marriage really is just a business relationship. It's a roommate. So that's something to think about. What does your definition of love mean, like? And then when you, move, then when you get time, after you've gone through this little, little exercise I'm giving you, try this. Look at other definitions, like hard work, career, happiness, See if your definitions align with your partner's definitions or your friend's definitions or your family's. You're allowed to have your own definitions. And sometimes because our definitions of life and happiness and success are so different than even our siblings, they think you're weird or we don't understand them. You don't understand them because we have different definitions. 
I know a lot of people don't understand why I keep pushing myself in the gym and I do those things. Well, to me, life's not worth living if you're not learning something new every day, pushing yourself every day, or have a goal. And yes, you should have a goal in all your relationships. Even if it's weekly and monthly goals, fun goals, passionate goals, goals that get you up in the morning. Why don't you change your own definitions? That may lead to a changing of your life. If your definition of love and happiness is really low, try upping it a little bit. And if you can't figure out how to do that, find people that know how. You may change your definitions as we grow older. You don't ask a toddler what they think is fun and expect an adult to think of the same thing. To them, it just may be an ice cream cone. And that's okay. That They're toddlers. But I hope you're not using a toddler mind to define all important things like love and happiness today as an adult. It's time to change your definitions or at least look at them. And this has been another Fact Podcast.